It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You're listening to Music City Gold. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. I am your host, Kyle. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. Boom. Another success of you guys all in this shot. Welcome right to the show. Preds have had some fun. And before we get into the show, though, guys, how has y'all's week been? It's been pretty good so far. Uh, Kind of been busy for everybody. I feel like we're ramping up into the holiday season. Uh, We got through Thanksgiving, ate way too much turkey as used, so time to get back on the diet. Um, but yeah, everything's ramping up for Christmas here, so uh, been watching a little hockey in between while I can and getting to some games, so it's been uh, quite the interesting uh, few weeks for the Preds and around the league. So, Matt, what about you? Yeah, we did uh, Thanksgiving recently. I don't know if we've recorded since then. I can't remember our schedule, uh, and I also have the worst memory in history, but we did it at my house this year, which meant I've got two dogs, the in-laws have two dogs, the brother's got a dog. It was like six dogs at my house for Thanksgiving. I was like, I'm going to have to turn the garage into like a dog daycare. It's getting a little out of hand at my house. But but you like puppies. I thought you did. I do, but uh, you know, too much of a good thing can be a bad thing, Kyle. So, Well, for us, we had uh, no Thanksgiving this year, actually. We celebrated a day early. We didn't really feel like cooking, so we just went to a restaurant the night before, had it. That way, nobody stressed out about food or anything, and just enjoyed the day. Watched uh, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Watched another parade that was up in Philadelphia. And then watched uh, Home Alone, which is always a good movie to see. That's a classic. Yeah, that was not the case for us. Uh, I received a PDF copy of the menu ahead of time from my aunt with an attached spreadsheet with minutes broken down. Wait, minutes? Yeah, like full spreadsheet with minutes like like time by like 10 every 10 minutes you know like what they had to do and prepare and prep for two days before thanksgiving up to thanksgiving uh so yeah it was pretty serious affair but they're half cuban half italian so you know we'll we'll let it slide but to be fair when you sent me the uh the i guess the menu it almost sounded like i was going to like a fancy black tie affair like i really was wondering if you guys all dressed the nines for it didn't dress to the nines. You needed stretchy pants for that menu. But, uh, man, it was, it was a feast for sure. But glad to be uh, back on the diet and uh, back to talking hockey. And with that, we'll get right into it. So biggest news that happened around the league in the last few weeks is Chris Letang is out for the rest of the season after having a stroke with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, apparently he had a migraine after practice one day, and he talked to head, laugh, head athletic trainer, and they said, go to the hospital immediately. And he went and got tested on and they said, hey, man, you got a stroke. Apparently, though, guys, he was not aware that he had a stroke. And thankfully, it does not appear to be career threatening. But, you know, that is kind of scary because apparently he's had a stroke before. Last time was in 2014. I didn't know he was playing for the Penguins in 2014. But apparently, he's got a very small hole in the wall of his heart, which typically closes on its own in most people. And his has not. And that's what's been leading to him having strokes occasionally. Yeah, I didn't know this was a thing for him, honestly. Like, it came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, you know, you saw the report from the Penguins saying, hey, he's out indefinitely this season. I mean, obviously, it's going to take him some time to recover. And um, I don't actually know his age, but he is getting, you know, a little older and up there. So it is very concerning. I know they have stated it is not a career-ending event, but um, I don't know. You have to just be very cautious and concerned moving forward with him, and he's such a key player for the Penguins and has been a staple in the league for so long. It's uh, very scary and concerning, but the good news is the staff was able to react quickly. I don't know how many times we've said that this year. Like these, This training staff for uh, the league has been phenomenal, whether it was the Kane incident, whether it's the Latang incident. Um, I mean, these people are, have been incredibly um, – you know, important at diagnosing and getting to the problems immediately, whether it was on the ice or even just on the practice uh, field. So uh, that said, wish him luck in his recovery, but um, that's going to be a big blow for the Penguins and definitely something you don't want to hear. Yeah, you know, there's been some rumors about the big three having to break up eventually, and, and we've heard about it. But it's something common that when it comes to the end of a player's career and when he's getting a little bit older, you know, injuries start creeping in, some health stuff. You know, you look at Carlson's ankle, you look at Crosby's 
concussions. You look at, you know, Ellis was hurt, Weber was hurt. When it gets to the end, these issues start happening. And you never want to see a player's career being ended. How about Marion Hosa? skin condition yeah. like you don't want to see a player's career go like that so i'm at least thankful that he's healthy and i think it really shows a testament to how strong and healthy he is because he didn't even realize he had a stroke like what the freak is that like i work in the medical community and let me tell you we usually can tell when you had a stroke you're in the hospital and it ain't because somebody told you to go to the hospital just to be sure so incredibly healthy individual it, at least it turned out great but that might be one of those key indicators that hey Maybe it's time to kind of rest up a little bit in the next couple of years. Let's, let's try to take the foot off the gas pedal a little bit and, and take a step back. So at least he's healthy for now. So stinks for the Penguins, but uh, at least it's not a career thing or a life-threatening thing. So Yeah, I, I looked it up. He's 35, which is almost a little scary for me because he had a stroke, and I'm, I'm almost 30. So um, And I'm 38. I'll be, I'll be hitting the gym a little, little harder now after looking at that info. Next on our list, guys, is the Boston Bruins. We're talking about them here lately. So, you know, uh, Matt, their 14-game home win streak came soon in with a shootout loss to the Golden Knights. I mean, could this be their season? You think you think they're going to win the Horse Cup, man? All the way, Kyle. No doubts about it. My Bruins have been on fire, baby. Marchand, you know, just the creme de la creme, the top of the, top of the cream for him. They've been firing on all cylinders, man. They've looked outstanding. Not just in general, especially at home, of course, but – it kind of stinks. I was watching that game when they lost to Vegas, but awesome team. It's especially that we always allude to stacking up the points early. So they might not win the cup, but you're going to see them in a one seed. I, I highly likely. So, and that's what it takes to get the job done, boys. Is coming in hot. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, and their first loss is against another extremely hot team. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights have a .722 current win percentage. Uh, I mean, they're like third in the league. So if you're going to lose, that's probably one that you are going to lose. You know what I mean? At home, 14 straight at home. It's insane. They still have a .854 win percentage. They have only lost three games outright this year through 24 games. I'll put it like that. So 24 games, they've only lost three in one overtime loss. So they've won 20. It's incredible what they've been able to do i mean also give credit to the devils they're right behind them too but um yeah yeah it, it it's crazy what those two teams are doing right now and stacking up the points we'll see where they end up at the end of the year definitely you could definitely put boston in the the president cup you know race so far in my opinion because you have several teams that are still struggling i do think toronto's getting back on the horse they seem to be kind of on the upward trend after kind of like a mediocre start. So we'll see where everybody ends up at the end there. But, um, man, Boston has been literally firing on all cylinders. Absolutely perfect. They have probably one of the most complete teams in the league, and they're also getting excellent goaltending on top of it. Yeah, from some of their younger younger goalies. So, yeah, it's it's been a perfect storm for them. They're going to be really disappointed because, like we said before, I feel like every time they come to the, the playoffs, somehow they fall flat. Hopefully this year they you know, can kind of get over that syndrome and, and push through because they have such a good team this year. They're so much fun to watch. It's just <clears throat> it's odd for them because I thought they were kind of a dying legacy You know, the last couple of years. We've been speaking about it. You know, The Penguins have been dying off. Uh, Boston's been dying off, you know, even the Capitals after that magnificent Stanley Cup, they've been a first round exit for four years in a row. So some of these dynasties, we always talk about how you have to cash in some of your future assets to go all in in the here and now, and that leaves you handicapped in the near future. So some of these teams, especially Boston is one of those who's in this same conversation, but yet here we are, they're what I think first place in the league right now, of course. Yeah. So it's incredible to see what they're doing with what people say is a dying roster, almost not dying, but you know what I'm saying. It's it's an aging roster for sure, but those aging players have somehow held on to the production that they've had for at least another two, probably two years longer than they should. At some point, it will tail off. Like, it will. It's going to happen. But that said, they've done an excellent job at structuring their cap, and once again, you're getting quality starts from like these younger goaltenders, i.e. he's technically like the best in the league right now as far as like I think it's safe percentage or safe maybe percentage goals, yeah, and goals, goals above yeah. okay so goals above expected to or goals against so that said 
uh, you're getting the complete picture even with some of your utility pieces that are really cheap against the cap hit too. So that has been the key to them sustaining. I don't think it'll be forever. Once again, you give them another two years probably max and they'll probably tail off. But I mean, you're seeing some, you know, uh, recession from even some of the, the better teams. Like Tampa Bay's recessed a little bit this year, I feel like. Colorado, nobody's talking about them. They're 18th in the league. Like, are you guys a little shocked at that right now? Huh. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Fourth place in the Central. Yeah, they're fourth in the Central, 18th in the league. Uh, and a second wild card spot in the, in the West. Yeah, you can also That's argue crazy, that dude. the Oilers, too. Um, the Oilers are 17th in the league, Currently, point-wise, but here's the here's the deal: they um, have played three more games than the Predators too. So, point percentage-wise, they're actually underneath the Predators. Well, the Oilers doesn't surprise me because they're like very top-heavy. They have a couple great and a, and a lot of suck. The Flames, but the Avalanche is the team that was everybody was hot and heavy on, and they have a young, fast roster, very dynamic. It is, it is very stand out. I think that stands out to me more than the fact that, say, Jersey is in second place in the league right now because everybody had high. That's the problem with high expectations. When you got a great roster, you can only disappoint people. If you do great, they'd be like, "Great, that's what we expected of you. You better make the conference finals with the, with a staff that uh, Avalanche have." But if you don't, if you're sitting around a wild card spot, well, Bob are ready to roll because everybody's mad. So the Calgary Flames are also in a similar position. They have a .54 win percentage right now. 25 games played. The Preds are technically ahead of them point percentage-wise. And it is really crazy. Colorado has played the same amount of games as the Predators, and the Predators are only one point behind Colorado. That is extremely shocking considering how bad the Preds started this year. I mean... Once again, the Preds have looked better recently, and they've been on more of a point streak, and they're more on the upward trend. But that said, crazy to think that these two teams are around the same mark. So definitely a disappointment for Colorado so far. Well, it's like you're talking about, guys, with these dynasties starting to fall. So if we look at the playoffs, if they were to happen today in the West, we're going to start since that's kind of where we're at right now. Dallas is first in the Central. Then you've got Winnipeg and Minnesota. And then Pacific, you have got the Golden Knights, you've got the Kraken, Los Angeles, teams that, you know, Kraken and the Kings, and I would say probably Minnesota, you weren't talking a couple of years ago about these guys being playoff teams. And then, like we said, the wild card spot, you've got Edmonton and Colorado, just shocks everybody because you think they would be, you know, just wild high and flying up there. And then if you go up to the, we'll go up to the uh, east here, the Metropolitan, you've got New Jersey, Carolina. The Islanders. Who would have thought the Islanders would have been in a playoff spot this early on? I, I, know would, you, I would have. I'm hot on the Islanders, baby. And then if you go to the Atlantic, you've got Boston, Toronto, and Tampa Bay, which, okay, we expect that. But then you've got the dynasty of the Pittsburgh Penguins in the wild card the spot. Wild card. And your Detroit Red Wings are coming up in the second wild card spot, too. That's right, buddy. So it could be a shaping up to be a very interesting uh, playoff round this time. I'll say also Florida is currently not – that blows, that blows my mind. That's well, another huge. Hey, so you, we didn't even talk about that. Currently, the Flames and the Panthers are out of the playoffs with this current thing after that monster trade Yeah, with Kachuk and Huberto. Yeah. So that is the funny part is, and I said it. Remember I said, I was like, sometimes you, you trade away like a key piece and it messes up everything. It messes up your chemistry. You upset everybody in the locker room, whatever it is. You had something good going. And now you're seeing both teams, ironically enough, struggle. So they're not even in the race, which is going to give uh, teams like Detroit a better shot at making the playoffs. Because if, if some of these other teams are struggling, like the Penguins and like the Panthers, well, guess what? A team that has improved, obviously, a lot. Uh, Detroit's improved a whole lot since last year. I tell you, the, the sucky part about Detroit is that my boy, Tyler Bertuzzi, Bertuzzi he's just got, yeah. came back. Yeah. After being injured, and then like the second game yeah. after coming back, he hurts his other hand. So yeah. now he's back out and had surgery again. So that sucks. Not only is he one of the best players, but he is my favorite player on the Red Wings. So rip you, buddy. Yeah, that said, though, it's going to give you guys an opportunity to slot in for a wild card slot, especially if Pittsburgh and or slash Florida is struggling. Those should have been – look Look at another team that's even below you guys, the New York Rangers. Who would have thought the Rangers would have been struggling? At this point, you know what I mean? Like, they got a great roster. 
I mean, they're supposed to have Shesterkin and, you know, Panarin, and it, it's that's supposed to be like a really good team right now. So you're seeing a lot of teams struggle this year that I, I didn't think were going to struggle at all out the gate. So a lot of parity this year. Some bottom feeders are just showing up big time. You have some people that have already improved, and then some of your top people, like, you know, like Matt was saying, I think they're feeling some of the pressure because, like, some of these top teams are just not performing right now. And um, we're now a good chunk of the way through the season. Well, guess what, Daniel? Now that we're looking at the lens through some of these division matchups, you know, I'm going to go ahead and tell you some hot takes here today. I don't think this one's a hot take. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, though, Washington Capitals, this is going to be the year they don't make the cut for the playoffs. They're currently out, and it's going to stay that way. So they've made it, what, it's been six or seven years in a row now. I know, like I said earlier. Actually, they, it's, I think they're in front of the Preds. Isn't it like yeah. eight? I think because the Preds are at seven with yeah. the Penguins. So I'll look that up. This year is going to be the year that they fall out. And here's another. Here's going to be a little more hot take. I think this is the year. I said this two years ago. I'm putting my money on it. This is the year the Preds are not making the freaking playoffs. You guys have played like trash last year, starting out not that hot. I'm tired of you. It's going to be a you guys kind of year, and I think they're going to miss the cut for the playoffs this year. Well, that is a bold claim, and I guess we'll take that as the uh, kind of a segue, I know you guys hate that word, into our regular season stats for the Preds. So they didn't move at all between our last recording. They're still 20th in the league overall. Their conference, they didn't move. They're still 10th. Division, they stayed the same at 5th. The only really, I guess, pro they had is they were they went 12-9-2. And so now that's good for 5-6-5 compared to last time. They were 9-8-2 and was a 5-2-6. But you got to remember, we had two games we'll get to. Well, actually, no, we won't get to. Because yeah. Bridgestone Arena flooded. What the heck? I named this episode Flooding because who in the world would expect a, what even was it? Was it like a hydrant, a main? Like, yeah, it was, how it was the, a main. How in the world do you get a flooding in the um, in the arena? That just kind of blows my mind. So uh, I can talk a little, little bit on this one. So on the side of Bridgestone where the main broke, that's that parking garage side. And the problem is it goes straight down that street, like going towards Dermumbrium. And then there's that parking lot that's underneath Bridgestone. I'm sure you know it. it's like on yeah. the corner kind of there. Well, that's also player entry, and that's also um, the elevator shaft and everything for going downstairs to event level. I know this because I've actually played at Bridgestone before, and I've had to go in that elevator, and it's like a special elevator reserved for the players to go down. But that said... All that water was dumping down the street and down into the parking garage and then eventually crept all the way down into the event level. So what they were saying was it went from three inches up to, I think, up to three feet where the loading dock was of water. That's a lot. So they said it's going to take months to mitigate everything properly, but the fact that they were able to get up so quick and play some games like the week after, I guess it was Anaheim was the first game back, very shocking, but... To Kyle's point, we have played way less games, so it's interesting. We had, yeah, we had a really good point streak, but it doesn't really reflect as much because a lot of the other teams have played more games than us. So, point percentage-wise, I think is what we really need to be looking at in in the league. But that said, you know, it's kind of a little skewed stat for right now. But yeah, weird water main break on a Black Friday. I love the optimism of Daniel. You know, the Preds are, what, f- fifth place currently? Fifth place in the Central. And rather than just look and say the Preds, you know, they're kind of sitting on the outside. Dan goes to the deep level, that, that win percentage stat. And I know you like to do that because, to your point, you've got a couple games in hand, but I just like the optimism there. You ain't going to settle for fifth place. You're trying to think of what little advantages there, micro advantages that can help. Wouldn't you say that was uh, the same case for the Detroit Red Wings? No. <laughs> I was like, you're just barely in the playoff spot. So, yeah, it's the same thing could be said for them. I mean, the same thing could be said for the Avs. Yeah. There are one point in front of the Preds with the same amount of games played. It's just not something – I know you look at that stat all the time. It's not something that I tend to really read much into. I just don't go that deep. So It just means that they got a few more games to either – Catch up to. To either catch up or screw it up. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's honestly that's, – that's, that's what it means when you have those gains in hands. You either are gaining those points or whatever. So, uh, I mean, you're, you're, you can, you know, squander them away. But here recently, they have been on a really good point streak. That's, that's the key is, like, they've actually been improving um, regardless of what the actual points or the standings show. So, um, 
Yeah, that said, think, we, and to your point, you know, honestly, if I'm looking at the record lately, you guys are seven two and one, and the Blues, well, they're below you, but they've been at four six, and same thing with Colorado five five. You guys are actually trending upward. Minnesota's six and three, so in the Central, you guys are have the most wins out of the last ten games out of anybody in the Central. Exactly tied for the most, so you guys are trending upward. So, given a couple extra games in hand, you could see a little little squeak by in, in the in the order ranking there. Yeah, if they can capitalize on it. That's yeah. once again a big if because that has been the thing, you know, that they always get these streaks, I feel like. But I, I mean the last loss I think, you know, it was against Detroit recently. Yes. That was the game. It, baby. They were they looked Got horrible. Blanked in Detroit, son. But that said, that was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So in the last nine games, there's only been one game that the Preds have failed to get points on. That's pretty good. Like, that's way better improvement than you're talking, like, at the start of the season, we were, like, at a point three yeah. win percentage. So um, definitely trending upward. Go ahead. Go. Well, I think part of that point we've been getting here is that our players, our top players, are actually starting to produce now. You got Philip Forsberg. He's our top point producer overall. He's got 22 points, eight goals, 14 assists in 23 games. Last time we recorded, he was first place. That dude is still on fire. Matt Duchesne bumped his way up to second place, 21 points in 23 games, six goals, 15 assists. We'll talk about him later on. Had some monster goals, monsters assists. Uh, Roman Yossi, 20 points in 23 games, six goals, 14 assists. Last time he was second, dropped down a little bit. Mikhail Granlund, who um, is killing it and basically helped us win one of the games later on, 18 points, four goals, 14 assists in 23 games. Ryan Johansson who is also having a great year. We'll get to him as well. 14 points, 7 goals, 7 assists in 23 games. And last time he's top 10. And just because, Matt, I know you hate seeing it, I kept Yusuf Parson in here. I saw that. You know, <laughs> just on purpose. No, he's got 5 points in 9 games, 3 goals, 2 assists. But you know what? He seems to be uh, a fixture now on that top line with everybody. So, Dan? I will say it is nice, though, to see Ryan Johansson show up in the top 5 finally because – as much as we don't like his contract, he needs to perform like yeah. he has a decent contract. And the fact that he is now in the top five, very good sign. They need to start getting him activated. That he needs to start looking better. Um and he has. Like he he's starting to score more goals. He he came in clutch the other night in the shootout. Um so that said, very good improvements from his game. Great to see him get going. Roman needs to keep it up. Uh, the one thing for me, though, and we'll get into that. Uh, I don't know if you had it on here. The power play. Uh, we're still at 28th. It, it's hurting. Like, we got to figure that out. That's that's the one thing. Five on five, we've, we've seen pretty good. And here recently, we've had a few more power play goals. And once again, we're still trying to dig out of that 0 for 30-something streak that we started, you know, which is going to bring your average down for the power play, obviously. But don't forget our penalty kill as well. Yeah, no, that's been our the flip side of the coin. Uh, that it's actually been halfway decent. But that said, you know, um, there's still a lot of improvement for for the team, and it's just nice to see that the top five are the probably the top five people that you want to see on the card. Like if you started naming five people off the top of your head, those are the five people that you need to see in the top for goals and assists and points overall. So super happy with that list this time around. And that has to be one of the key main ingredients for why they are trending upward is your your actual star players with those big contracts are actually showing up and paying for those contracts right now. Well, you know, when we started talking about that, the top five list, you see, you know, you, you're going down the list, Kyle. You said Ryan Johansson in the fifth place. I gave the thumbs down. I think that's indicative of what I said earlier in that I, I say a thumbs down because he has only disappointed me the last year and a half or so. So if he's doing a good job, that's great. But it's almost like it's thin ice to the point that you better keep it up or I'm going to be mad at you again. So these players, I like Granlin stepping up. Duchesne's having an excellent year. You kind of expected a Forsberg and Yossi. Yossi, it took him a little while to turn it on. It took him like 10 games or so maybe. But 
I wonder if this if this idea of Johansson, the Granlund performing well is thin ice, and if it falls through, now does all of the does all the power play goals, all of the all of the team scoring fall in the hands of Forsberg and Yossi again, and are we back in this kind of situation where we're biting our nails, kind of worried? I just want to know how deep this idea is that these players are spreading spreading the scoring down down the roster, or is it just a lucky streak we're having? I just and I guess you could say pessimistic. I'm scared of what can go wrong, and and I look at it from a lens of the contracts. We talked about his contract a second ago. That's what makes me nervous. That the expectation level is there. So when players don't perform or they don't perform for long periods of time, it makes me nervous. Well, let's talk about some of the people that have been performing a little bit better that we haven't you know talked on here recently. Uh, Soros started off terrible. All of a sudden, the last like several games. He looks fantastic. And then we we also can't pass over the fact that uh, Lankinen has been fantastic as a backup. He a lot better has, than Big Save Dave. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, it, it, it is so much better than having Richie in from last year. Uh, in fact, he has a better save percentage and goals against than Soros. That said, you know, Smaller sample size. I don't care. That's but seven games. Very enough. good. Yeah. The other game against the Islanders, he had like 49 saves. Okay. Yeah, that's enough for me to be impressed with. And that's an Islanders team that's very good. They've been trending up. Matt, you love the Islanders right now. You, you're, you're high on them right now. He had 49 saves against that team. Yeah, that's so incredible. So that said, your goaltenders are now stepping it up. And then also, one thing to point out since the last time, your defensive pairs have seen so much more solid now that you had some cohesiveness in them. Only problem being, Ryan McDonough is now out with an upper body injury after getting smacked in the face with a puck. I think that was the Islanders game. Was it Was it not? Was the Islanders? I, I believe so, yeah. He got smacked right in the face, and he immediately went off. There's blood on the ice. You know, it, that's something you don't want to see because him and Yossi together really solidified. All of a sudden, they, they threw up on the screen that, like, in the last 160 minutes to that point, when uh, McDonough and Yossi were paired, there were zero goals against. So, unfortunately, that's now kind of messed up for the next three weeks. But also, too, Money Puck has Ekholm and Carrier as the best pairing right now for expected goals against. First of all, never would have thought that. You're, Matt's shaking your head, but that is the stats. I mean, and it is what it is. Like, you can't argue. They went from third, in fact, when I said it last episode, to first two weeks later. So, yeah, you can definitely argue that having Ekholm on the other side was a bad mistake to start the season because they flipped him back over, and now him and Carrier are the best defensive pair statistically on uh, on charts. Uh, so that said, they are doing some good things with them, but the McDonough injury is going to hurt. I'm sure uh, they recalled Gross, Jordan Gross. So he he looked solid, though, when he filled in a couple weeks ago. So I, I feel like it's not going to be that much of a tail off, but you are going to see a little bit more of a line shuffle. Um, Cody Glass is also still out with an upper body injury. And then poor Burrow Cop, uh, after that neck injury into the board, I don't know when we're going to see him again. So that's kind of been some of the reasons why our defense has been kind of like, and eh, all over the place is because we've been shuffling a whole lot this year, but love to see the goaltenders actually stepping up. But I guarantee you, Kyle has another player that he wants to talk about. I do. And I can see it on Matt's face over here. When I was compiling these show notes today, so it's been a busy week for me and I didn't get to watch the game as much as I have been lately. So I kept going through and I kept noticing a single theme as I was going through. And I kept looking scratches. Ellie told him, I don't think that man is alive anymore, Matt. I haven't seen him play a single game in a long time. And I know that hurts you. And I know it's kind of upsetting for a lot of their fans too, especially of how hyped he was, especially with his insane records in the KHL. And he gets over here and, you know, it's kind of stagnant. So since you love the boy, Matt, I'll ask you, do you think he will play in the NHL again? And if he does, will it be the Preds? Yeah, you know, Daniel made an interesting point today. He has been out for what, like eight or ten games? And Daniel yeah. was like, Oh, he's they're cooking up a they're cooking up a package, package deal. I was like, Oh man, I really hate that you said that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it might be true, but like, God, that's gonna really piss me off if that's true. I mean, I don't know what more you want from the kids. Some people just you know, we've talked about that with uh 
whoever the freaking Capitals coach is, sorry, Blanken, we, he used to – Laviolette. Yeah, Laviolette. He used to always favor certain players, and it seems that John Hines just, for whatever reason, just doesn't favor Tolvin and favors other kids like Glass, which is fine, but you really give my man short shrift to the point that, you know, he's not even – we're not even talking about him. He, you know, if, say – Ryan McDonough gets out for injury. Oh, oh we got to mention that in the pregame broadcast. We got to mention the scratches and, and all this. Well, it's kind of getting to the point where we're not even talking about Tolvin anymore. We're not even mentioning him on the on the scratch list. We're not talking about him as a key piece of the team who's been out, who's been scratched, blah, blah, blah. It does make me wonder if they are going to do something with him. Uh, I don't know what his contract looks like. It's probably two way contract, so it wouldn't really surprise me if he stays uh, down in Milwaukee or maybe gets dealt. And, uh, yeah, he's definitely a fringe player, Kyle, like a black ace. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he gets dealt somewhere else and somewhere else tries him on the fourth line. So speaking of trade packages, I have an excellent discussion for us then. So, um, yeah, so he's been out for several games, and I thought for sure after the glass injury, to your point, that he was going to slot in. And he is not. In fact, McCarron has been in his spot, which is mind-boggling to me. But... What's another player, too, that has also been thrown out there in the rumor mill to get traded? Dante Fabro. Oh, yeah. So, very interesting. So, if there is a trade to happen, I do not think it happens until Ryan McDonough comes back now because Fabro, I feel like, is in the package with Tolvanen for some teams. Some teams might want both. I mean, that's a very tempting package to say, hey, we have a you know tried and true, like, pretty stay-at-home defenseman, and then you also have a younger kid, talented, you know, whatever, could possibly have upside if you develop him um, at a very low price because, I mean, I'm pretty confident he's only signed at like $1.5 million for Tolvanen. I can look that up. Uh, $1.45 million currently for Tolvanen, and Fabro is currently sitting at $2.4 million. But he is also going to be a restricted free agent next year. So I could see why the Preds are wanting to deal him probably now rather than later. Um, Tovenin still got two years, you know, on that one point four five million. But that said, what an intriguing package for some teams. These are two lower cap hit players currently. So teams that are on that cusp or really wanting to add some addition to the their you know playoff run or whatever, two great mid level players at a very bargain price. And Tolvanen's been out, like I said. I just wanted to point that out. Not that I like that. Believe me, I was really high on the kid. Love him. But there also has been rumors, you know, that like Toronto's looked at Fabro, and then we also have the bigger rumor that now the Canucks are trying to deal um, Brock, baby. Really? Yeah. So he's at, the problem is with that one, is he's at a 6.5 mil cap hit. So the Preds would have to do a little bit of maneuvering because... I don't think they would take that. No, they well, the problem would be the Canucks have no leverage though right now and they're trying to dump him and try to get they're probably going to try to get two players and picks. And I don't know if yeah. the Preds are willing to do that for Brock, but at the same time too, that is a very tempting trade too because you have a kid who is also much younger, also signed and also productive you know what i mean and definitely more of that elite score i know you're very high on brock so like he's probably your favorite player probably arguably on the canucks beside oh, Pedersen. well they're both excellent yeah, yeah. The, that's like the one-two combo for them but that said i i don't know i don't know if they'd be able to work it out logistically but it is very weird that tovenin has been scratched for so long and still hasn't gotten slotted slotted in after the the cody glass injury and that's why i feel like there has to be some sort of trade cooking. I, 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 but once again, if they're going to do a package deal, whether it's Fabro and Tovenin together, that's going to be after McDonough comes back. Yeah. Um, if it's going to be a single deal, then Tovenin might get dealt first, and then Fabro might get dealt later, closer to the deadline. That's just my feeling. But I guarantee you both those players are going to be looked at heavily by other teams come to the, the trade deadline. So... I don't know, just some some fun things that throw out there. I don't know if you know the Canucks would be able to 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 pull that together or pull the trigger on it because they really don't have the leverage. But um, you know, there might be some deals to to be had since the Preds are kind of in a better position to deal rather than you know some of these teams that are just trying to dump right now. For sure. 
So what do we think about Joey on the third line? Because on the Detroit game, I noticed, I was like, oh, he's in, he's on the third line. That's interesting. And they kind of broke up the third line. Because, you know, Trenton was, of course, injured at that point. And so now I'm looking through here and I kept checking the, um, you know, the lineups. You look at the, that's the Detroit game. You go down to the New Jersey game. See Johansson on third line again. Still see Janot and Sisson in the second. I come down to the Islanders game and I'm like, Johansson's on third line again, and now I see Janot is on the second line. A lot of line shuffling going on here. So what do you think is the issue that Hines is doing? You know, it's kind of working because we are getting points. But, you you know, down to your point earlier, you said our defensive pairings have gotten some stability, but now it seems like Hines or whoever is making the decision for our forward lines can't really seem to figure out where to place people. Yeah, the lines have been kind of in a blender, but to your point is he has spread it out to kind of like give a scoring chance kind of on every single line. And what has been happening is you've seen just that. Like Sisson scored two big goals the other night. Johansson actually scored some goals. Um, I mean, just to recap really quick on some of these games, like the Red Wings were was a loss. That game looked really bad. Uh, I want to ask one thing here. Matt, how do you feel about that? Oh, yeah. I was trying to rub it in your guys' face a little nonchalantly there. Blanked you guys, yeah. It was awesome. You know, it's always – every year we have family that comes down for the games. And, uh, yeah, I had some family down this year too, so. But did you see the thing about um, your goalie? Huso. Huso. Yeah. Oh, what about him? Read it here. It's on the notes. He stopped all 26 shots he faced from the Preds. It was his third shutout of the season. And he's the first Red Wings goalie to have three shutouts in his first 19 games since Jimmy Howard in 2011-2012. Okay. That's, that's why you guys have been doing so well. Your goaltenders oh, yeah. have been – Yeah really saving your bacon like it, it really like for some of their shortcomings you know for the Detroit Red Wings their goalies have been excellent this year to get them out of problems that they've dug themselves in but man Huso was hot that night nothing was going in like there was several scramble plays I'm just like like when he stopped it you're just like uh Okay, it's just gonna be one. Of the, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, what are you gonna you, do when you're when you see a goaltender that hot, regardless of what it is? Like, if it's the Wild and the and the Knights playing, like if you see a hot goaltender, you just know it's gonna be one of those nights for the other team. That was who so that night. He was fantastic, like absolutely fantastic. We had a five on three, couldn't even capitalize on that. You know, like it, it just was a terrible game overall. But give credit to where it needs to be. Who so was fantastic and has been all season uh, currently for the Red Wings. But, um, I mean, if you're just looking at that, you know, you have the Red Wings game, bad loss, but then you have two postponed games. You win against the Ducks, probably not in the most, you know, grand of fashion. And then let's just talk about the Devils game. I thought that was a decent outing against the Devils, minus the second period where it was just like the wheels fell off. We took five penalties in a row. It felt like they scored on like all three you know, um, but somehow we came back. And to your point, like you mentioned earlier, Granlin goal with like 10 seconds left in the period down a gritty goal. Did you watch this game, Matt, at all? Yeah. Yeah. That is one of those junkyard dog goals. I was like, Matt, yeah, Matt's, sure. Matt's at home on the couch, just like screaming right now because that's exactly what you want. You want net front presence, you want screens, boom, get it to the net, good stuff happens, gets it in the, the net, and then. You know, you go into OT, and then Johansson comes in clutch again with just an absolute snipe after Duchesne holds the puck against three players. It was actually, at one point, <laughs> it was actually the goalie and the three defenders. So that was the only people on the ice because everyone else was getting a change. Duchesne held the puck and was able to get it to Johansson. Miraculous comeback against the Devils of all teams who have been red hot like you're not expecting to win two points let alone come back against them on the road um you know and then you follow that up with an incredible win against the islanders so obviously the line changes have helped spread out the love a little bit because i've noticed every single game a different line has been scoring whether it was sissons on the second line whether it was johansson in the uh in the game against um uh the devils i believe he scored twice in that game uh, so that said, it's it's nice to see, but at the same time too, I do, I still wonder why McCarron's in there over Tolvanen in some situations, especially when our power play has been so weak. 
I, I don't get that. Like, that's the crazy part is the team has been trending upward and we're still terrible on the power play. Like, there's still room for improvement. So, I, I don't know. Like, obviously, he has found something with these lines and I think he's going to stick with this current spread the love mentality f- as long as it's working. Until that streak stops, there's no reason to, to change it. So, you're talking about the power play. So, obviously, you know, like I said, as Matt has said before, if you don't win on special teams, you know, it doesn't matter how good your five, five is, special teams will sink you every time. With how good Lankanen and Saros have been playing, with the defense lines being stable, and looks like they have some forward uh, goal scoring spread around, is that enough to compensate for the lack, or I should say the abysmalness, of a penalty kill and a power play? Is it enough to compensate for that? To your point, Kyle, I do not know if that is going to sustain us if we make the playoffs. So the the, the problem is we say this every year, you're gonna live and die on your uh, you know your special teams during the playoffs because everything gets a little tighter. that five on five might not be as open as it is. So I could see us sustaining a little bit maybe enough to you know get a playoff run into where we can make the playoffs. But if you're still struggling this bad on actually scoring on the power play, yeah, some changes are going to have to be made, whether that is the style of how they are operating and the, the system of the, play, uh, the power play, um, which has seen a noticeable difference. I've noticed a lot more movement in the last couple games. I, I don't know if you've noticed that too, Matt. A lot more movement across the ice to try to get players moving and them out of position. Also, some net front presence. Um, so that said, you know we'll we'll see where it lays, and that might be something that we can talk about later in a future episode. Where you know if we haven't dealt these pieces yet, is there somebody out there that could help the power play or come in to help the power play that we would trade for? Because Obviously, Fabro is not on the power play. Tolvanen's a scratch, so he's not helping the power play right now. So if you're going to trade for somebody, I'm hoping that they're going to be good on the power play unit because that is one thing that is sticking out like a sore thumb in our stat sheet. That's just my personal opinion. So, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see. And, you know, to our point earlier, Brock would be a great piece for the, yeah. the power play. I mean, but, so... But it's- it doesn't seem to be a focus because you could say, well, Brock would be great on power play. Well, so would Tolvanen and some of these other pieces. So it just doesn't seem that be – I don't mind if you scratch Tolvanen if you have a better idea. But if your focus is on the power play, then slot in your best power play people. That was my point, yeah. So – but, you know, the power play is horrible. But it's you guys mentioned your PK it was abysmal. It's actually not that bad. It's – your guys are like, let's see, 13th in the league, which is not bad, 79%. It's not horrible. It's more the drop. Yeah. It was seventh last time. It was seventh, yeah. So, like, we've been taking a ton of penalties, though, too. Yeah, Yeah, that's the problem for you guys is you take so many freaking penalties, it better be in the top 10-ish in the league or you're going to get toasted. But honestly, this is a throwback to a couple years ago. We we have this power play discussion, I feel like, every year, how it's garbage, how zone entry is trash, power play is trash, the last defensive pairing is trash. You definitely really need to capitalize. To your point, Kyle – I don't know that it's enough to sustain you. I think you have to be better on the on the power play because when you go against a team like uh, the Devils, yeah, you might have scraped that last win out, but that was that was just dumb luck or something. Because ordinarily, you can't beat a team like Tampa Bay five on five. So if you have an advantage, you have to be able to capitalize on it, or because you're not good enough to 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 hamstring yourself and then win. It's like McDavid. If McDavid had like a wasn't feeling good or had like a sprained ankle, he could probably still play and kick some butt. He's good enough to be hampered and still overcome. But the Predators are not. They're one of those lurkers. We're talking wild card like we are every year. That So that being said, you don't, you're not strong enough to not be good when it counts. Well, maybe one day we'll actually have a competent penalty kill and power play team. But, you know, the episode started getting a little long in the tooth, so we'll go over to you, Matt, again. You got any stats for us as we close the episode down? Yeah, well, you know, I don't want to be too, totally pessimistic, Kyle. I mean, honestly, every team has has a negative side. So just because our power play is not great, this, the team's still fun. Wait, wait, our or is it you? 
still you guys right now. You caught me there. Uh, but it's still fun. We're still watching hockey at the end of the day. So, you know, not every team can be, you know, the best team of the year. So it's all right. It, you know, why do you think I've been a Red Wings fan for so long? We've been trash for years, but guess what? There's going to be coming a day in the next five, 10 years when we're going to be talking again. And guess what? It's probably going to be this year because we've already got the tickets booked, boys, back to Detroit for the playoffs. Already booked them? Uh, almost. They're on my Amazon cart. I've almost booked them. That's how confident I am that my boys are going to make it to the playoffs. So it's helpful to be optimistic so you can see through some of the trash, whether it's the power play unit or whatever. So back to the stats. So, oh, speaking of stats, let me throw this in there, a little hat tip we hadn't mentioned today. My boy, Jake freaking Robertson, leading the league in goals this year. Let me pull it up. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive what's going on right now. 23 like goals. 23 goals, yeah. More than Connor McDavid, man. That kid is on fire. The question was I heard on Hockey Night in Canada the other day, is Jason Robertson going to score 80 points this year? And everybody on the panel was like, yes. 80 goals or points? 80 points. Oh, he'll hit 80 points. I was like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, 80 goals would be a little, that'd be tough. <laughs> yeah, that'd be I was like. <laughs> um, but. Anyway, the point is, that's a kid. And I remember this was going back to the end of last season. He had a couple hat tricks in a row there, yep. and the kid is is heating up. And he's one of those guys, you know, I like my underdogs. He's not a name that sticks out there. They don't make posters of him on ESPN, but he's one of those guys who's really dialing it in right now. So I like to see uh, kind of an underdog like Jason Robertson do so well right now. So I wanted to give him a little hat tip. So some other stats. How about this one, Kyle? The other night we had a game – with 17-plus goals yeah. for the second time in two years. The third time over the past 26 uh, seasons, resulting in the fifth 9-8 to eight score finish in league history. It was pretty crazy. It was uh, between Seattle and the LA Kings. So, wild night out there out west. So, that was incredible. So, remember, like last year, we were talking about, oh, man, the goals have been down. We got we to gotta open the net. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, we got to make the, the net wider. We got we to shrink the goalies' pads down. Man, we you're talking like a 17 point hockey game here. That that's crazy. You had five, I think at one point like last week there's five players on pace for like 100 plus points. Yeah. Like five players in 100 like and I think three of them were 120 point pace averages right now. Yeah. It was like McDavid, Drysaitel, Robertson, all were at 120 plus points and I'm like that's three players like putting up some record number. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So, yeah. The whole thing, the myth about the goals needing to be bigger. No, the players just need to shoot better, and they are, and you're seeing it. Like, yeah. it's fun to watch because I mean, who wants to watch a soccer game in zero zero? Like when you're watching Islanders games, you get blanked out a lot of times. That's not very fun. Trap hockey, not fun to watch. But watching six or seven goals apiece out west, late night hockey. Yeah, it's been that's, nuts. That's what I'm talking about. So. Let's go over to Boston, my boys. They have improved to 20-0-0 at home, dating to April 16th, including the playoffs, and became the fifth team in NHL history to reach 20 consecutive home victories, regular season and the playoffs, joining uh, 76 Flyers, the 2012 Wings, and a couple other teams. So they're off to a hot start, as we already alluded to. Let the good times roll here in Hockey Town, Kyle. I got a seat on the plane with me, buddy. If you want to book a ticket, we can go to Detroit Hockey Town. Do you promise you'll take me to get Detroit pizza? Oh, yes. Little Caesars, Little Caesars Arena. I couldn't think of a better combination. I'm still hoping one year we're going to have a Preds Red Wings final. Like, First of all, that would be a dream. First of all, like like an old school, more like old time rivalry matchup that would met in, yeah. That'd be awesome. So we could just go up there and actually, like, you know, like go to the games and kind of like go back and forth. Um, but that said, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see. That might be a few years off for both teams. I'll put it like that. <laughs> I don't think we're quite there yet. So, Daniel, what games we got coming up? So, yeah, the next games that are on the schedule here, you know, we, <laughs> I, I feel like we've been off for a long time. Uh, and that's because we have, because we had two postponed games and a few away, and then there was five days of rest in between games. So the last game that we played was on Friday, at the you know as of this recording, that was December second, and the next one's on the eighth against Tampa Bay. Um, so you know we'll see. That's going to be on the road, another tough game on the road. Like I said, I was very pleased with a lot of these results because I didn't think we were going to have all these wins coming into it. Because I'm like, mm, New Jersey, mm, the Islanders on the road. Now Tampa Bay on the road. Well, we just won both of those, so keep it up, boys. 
Uh, after that, we have Ottawa at home, finally. And then we have Detroit on the road, followed by Edmonton at home, uh, which seems to be a, the dry sidle special. And then we have Winnipeg on the road, Colorado on the road, and then Edmonton again at home. So quick. I feel like in, within one week, there's kind of strange on the scheduling there, but hopefully they can contain dry sidle and McDavid because for whatever reason, we absolutely get destroyed by those teams. But to close out the show, I did want to throw in kind of a wild card spot here. So in the central, who do you think, given that we're, you know, 25 games in here, good sample size, look at them, they're pulling out their laptops because they thought we were packing up. Given the sample size, in the central, who finishes top three currently? Hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you mine, and this is Dallas, Colorado, Minnesota one two three with the wild card spots going to the Oilers and the Preds at the very last wild card spot. That's just my hot take for this point in the year. Like I give said, me, give me your top three again. Top then. three is gonna my top three is Dallas, Colorado, Minnesota, which is crazy to think that is a very hot take. But Dallas has looked fantastic. Robertson's on a tear. They, they seem to be having fun this year. That team is having a ton of fun. I'm very high on them. I'm going to put Dallas one, Colorado second, Minnesota third. Like I said, Oilers and Preds would occupy the wild card spots, but they would just be squeaking in. Matt? Well, you put me on the spot here, Dan. I like to do my research now. I noticed that you, you uh, gave the Jets the shrug there. I did. Um, I think just since you did that, I'm going to give them the nod, uh, and I'll put them at number one. Not that I love the Jets, but I think the Stars are seeing a little bit of magic, and it's a flash in the pan. Just like a couple years ago when they made that big run, it's a bit of flash in the pan. It very easily is a thin ice situation with them where it could go south very quickly, and I think they'll probably fall down to third place maybe. Uh, So I'll say Jets one. I'll bring the Wild at two. And stars at three. Colorado would be a wild card then. Yeah, I'm comfortable with that. Okay. It's crazy to think about. First of all, we haven't really talked about it either. Winnipeg, like they've come out of nowhere this year. Like seriously, they really have. Like uh, I'm shocked with them too. So, Kyle, what do you think? Okay, for me, I will say Dallas one, Minnesota three. I'm sorry, Minnesota two. I go Colorado three. And then for the wild card spot, I will put Calgary and the Preds. Okay. So you're shunning the Jets too. You think they're going to tail off. Okay. Very interesting. I was just curious because like it's been so topsy-turvy as far as like the teams that are up there and then not that it's going to be interesting to see where we're at at the end of the year. But um, we have now have a decent sample size to look at. So there you go. We'll, we'll see uh, where the cards lie here maybe in a couple months, and then we can take inventory and do another update, maybe around, uh, you know, maybe the All-Star break or something. And guys, that's the show for the day. If you like us, you can find us on YouTube at Music City Gold. Please be sure to like and subscribe to us on there. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Music City Gold. And finally, you can also find us on PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Next time, we will see you on the ice. You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at Steve Dan Drum, and Matt at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.